1: Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com tapiphone tap iPhone.
2: Sarah? Yes, Tom? Our long national nightmare is over.
0: Ah, tacos are free?
2: Mm, no, different national nightmare.
0: Oh, you mean the Apple-Samsung, that whole suit. They've settled their seven-year-long patent and introduced us all to the phrase chamfered edges along yeah, the way.
2: that's the one I'm talking about. They've settled, we don't know for how much, but Apple says it was about more than money.
0: So Samsung took back what it said about turtlenecks, I guess. Ah,
2: we may never know, but the war... Is finally over.
0: I just want Judge Lucy Coe to take a nice vacation because she has earned it. May Patent Peace reign forever. What's that?
2: You want to give back some value for the value you get out of Daily Tech News Show? No problem. Just head to dailytechnewsshow.com support to find out how. This is the Daily
0: Tech News for Wednesday,
2: June 27, 2018 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt.
0: And from Studio Feline, I'm Sarah
3: Lane. From Studio, I don't have an animal around me at the moment. I'm Scott Johnson.
2: <laughs> <laughs> also with us, our producer, Roger Chang. Hello. And <laughs> let me just tell you, folks, Patent Peace feels great. It's,
0: it's almost...
2: Too good to be true. Almost is, isn't it? Yeah, you know, uh, back in 2011, when Sarah, Elaine, and I were doing the Tech News Today program, we first covered the, <laughs> that patent lawsuit. We were—I mean,
0: we covered it to the point that we even had a running gag about we patent wars because then. Yeah. it just, yeah, we were so young. Mm. Um, and it finally, finally, seems to have been put to bed. So, wow, yeah. good work, Apple and Samsung.
2: Yeah, well done. All right. Uh, let's move on into a few tech things you should know.
0: Well, speaking of Samsung, the company announced an unpacked event happening at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York on August 9th. Samsung usually announces new Galaxy Note models at this time of year. And what appears to be a new Note and a new tablet recently went through the U.S. FCC's system.
3: Mm. well twitter recently announced support for a usb key second factor authentication QB key you guys know the one stick it in there and it goes oh hey i know you you're legit uh and new accounts on twitter will now have to verify either a phone number or email address so twitter buckling down on the 2fa
2: and google announced wednesday it's retiring the brand names double click and adwords end of an era Tools for buying ads will now just be called Google Ads and get a simplified default interface to boot. High end software for ad buyers is going to be called Google Marketing Platform, and there'll be a complimentary tool for large sellers called Google Ads Manager. AdSense and AdMob are sticking around, though, for small websites and mobile app developers. All right, let's talk about Snap. It's got big plans, Scott.
3: Oh, yeah, man. Also, I'm just, I, t- I took it a little hard that Google AdWords isn't a thing I'll ever hear again. Anyway, uh, yeah, let's talk about this. The information reports that Snap plans to introduce a gaming platform for the Snapchat, Snapchat app, citing two sources with uh, familiarity with the company's plans. Snap reportedly will let developers make games for Snapchat and has a deal with at least one unnamed publisher. Snap already offers basic augmented reality games called Snappables. A lot of that stuff's based on other technology they use for putting you know, animal faces on yourself and all that stuff. They're sort of leveraging that. Anyway, one lets Snapchat users raise their eyebrows as many times as they can in a few seconds and then challenge a friend to beat their score. It is the very definition of rudimentary gameplay.
0: Yeah, I mean, the eyebrow game does not sound fun to me. I've never tried it. But, you know, this sort of silliness aside, if there's more of an incentive to be in Snapchat... And especially uh, connect with your friends rather than just you know looking at each other's snaps. I can see why the company would want to at least try this out.
3: Well, I would. I would actually. I'm in favor of this because the the augmented reality stuff actually has some real uh, or some real potential here. And and by that I mean creating such situations where you and your best friends on Snapchat are participating in kind of a virtual um, you know try to find the hidden object or uh you're you're basically geocaching but from a distance you could create all kinds of really fun interesting uh ways of interacting in the real world with augment augmented reality and do it in multiplayer i mean they may actually lead in this area because they're trying this out with an already installed base, and there aren't too many other people trying to do this with the platform so I actually think there's real potential here we'll we'll have to see how it goes yeah.
2: Yeah. I I mean it it seems like a good idea for Snapchat to improve on the eyebrow raising game by letting developers try a crack at it. <laughs> you think? I mean
3: that's like Pong eventually will will graduate to something more substantial hopefully.
0: Well, with everything that's going on with Instagram, it's 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 fascinating to see where Snap is like, okay, well instead of just copying your stuff that you copied from us in the beginning, we're kind of going to go in a different direction and and how the the two might diverge and mm-hmm. and who comes out on top. True. Facebook is testing an option to let users snooze specific keywords for 30 days. Posts containing the keywords would not show up during the time frame, your timeline. Now, to snooze a keyword, a user must first find a post that contains that keyword, which obviously is not ideal, although Facebook says it's working on adding an option to preemptively snooze keywords through some sort of search.
2: Yeah, this is definitely an example of them saying like, I mean, it's not just for negative political comments. It could be for movie spoilers, but it obviously is designed for negative political comments because or, or, or just negative comments in general, because the way it's designed is I see something I don't like. I mute it and I don't see it again for 30 days versus if you're like, I don't want to be spoiled on Ant-Man and the Wasp, you don't look for a post about Ant-Man and the Wasp because you're likely to get spoiled by it. Uh, so, you know, it will be good for that when they add the ability to preemptively block it. But I, I like this as a feature. I don't know that I use Facebook enough to really run into it myself, but I'm sure a lot of people will use it.
3: You no, know, I, I use these features on Twitter a lot. I think it's a useful thing. I really don't like them having to hunt down a an example of it in order to mute it. If my mom wants to at her ripe old age eliminate all f-bombs from her timeline she's got to go find somebody f-bombing to do it well
2: and the use just, case would be she sees an f-bomb and goes i don't want to see that but only for 30 days not permanent
3: right also i don't know how because i haven't used it yet i don't know how easy this is so I really uh,
2: you like you click on the upper right corner i think and it gives you a list of all the nouns uh all the non-articles in in the post and then you choose which one you want to mute
0: Yeah, I mean, if something was actually triggering you or upsetting you, you know, be it politics or movie spoilers or whatever, it would be annoying to have to see that first post in order to be like, I don't want this anymore. Let's just say somebody gets married, and it, you know, it's there are just you know lots of posts, and maybe I wasn't there, and you know, whatever. It's like I can see where it wouldn't be. Offensive to me to see that first post and go, you know what? Let's just come back when you're done with your honeymoon. You know,
2: Megan, we understand you're happy about your marriage. But, right.
0: Yeah. yeah. But Sarah doesn't want to see that.
2: <laughs> uh, the U.S. Department of Justice has given approval for Disney to acquire most of 21st Century Fox. Uh, remember, that deal does not include the Fox Broadcast Network, Fox News or FS1, FS2, and the Big Ten Network. However, it was supposed to include the Fox Regional Sports Networks. I know that's been confusing because you want to just be like, the sports goes where? Well, part of it went to Disney and part of it would not. The Department of Justice filed a suit on Wednesday and then came to a settlement that would require Disney to divest itself of the regional sports networks within 90 days of the completion of an acquisition because the Department of Justice believes that Disney owning ESPN and all of the other like SEC network and, and stuff that they own would be anti-competitive if they owned these 22 Fox Sports regional networks as well. Uh, so Disney has agreed to the conditions and said, "Yeah, okay, we'll we'll find a buyer for them." 21st Century Fox does not appear interested in keeping them at all. By the way, if you're thinking, "Oh, we'll just leave them as part of Fox," they don't want them. Uh, so it would probably be Comcast or maybe AT and T with Warner Media that would be the the most likely buyers. Although it could be somebody else. Else. And Comcast still has a competing bid out for 21st Century Fox. And, and the word on the street is they're going to up their bid to try to outbid Disney. So this is far from over.
3: Yeah. How long can that go? Like, can they just keep bidding until someone just like a regular auction or something until somebody blinks? I know it's a bigger process. and It takes all this approval. Theoretically,
2: yeah. Yeah, I mean, Comcast doesn't have approval from the Department of Justice yet, so Disney's got the upper hand right now, but it has to get to a point where the shareholders say, no, this this bid is the is the right one, and it does the fiduciary duty for all shareholders, so we're going to accept that one.
3: Oh, it just feels like the story that you never stop hearing about in 2018. We're yeah. never about this deal, but finally it'll go through, and then who knows? But right now, like you say, it looks like Disney's got the upper hand. I think it's funny that Fox just doesn't want that stuff, but I also understand the ESPN thing. Well, it,
2: right now, regional sports networks make a lot of money, so they're a good sale. But they're not guaranteed to continue because that that sports business model is being threatened by a lot of things like you know Hulu and YouTube stuff like that. Gotcha.
3: Well, Sony has taken a lot of criticism lately for not allowing full cross form across platform play, rather. On Fortnite, the biggest video game in the world, I might add, while Microsoft and Nintendo do. Sean Layden, president and CEO of Sony Interactive Entertainment America, told Eurogamer, quote, We're looking at a lot of possibilities. You can imagine that the circumstances around that affect a lot more than just one game. I'm confident we'll get to a solution which will be understood and accepted by our gaming community, while at the same time supporting our business." Uh, there's no, by the way, technical reason preventing cross-platform play. So this appears to be Sony trying to resolve a business reason or resolve this business problem with more business reasons, such as in-game purchases. Basically, I mean, it comes down to this. Sony does not want you to be able to, uh, register the game on their platform and then go to another platform, say the Nintendo switch in this case, uh, buy a bunch of in-game items that you did not have to give Sony a cut for. And then go back to the Sony platform and play on their platform, and they got nothing for it. That's their big hang-up. They're in a leadership position. They're going to keep digging in, I think. But this is showing a little bit of a crack in that, and there is a lot of pressure on them, and it looks real bad uh, from a gamer's perspective, what they're doing. So I actually think that this is probably the beginning of some sort of change. The big question is whether it will be for this game only, or will this apply as he mentioned, to a whole lot of other games that are kind of under the same roof. They're just not the most popular game in the world.
2: Yeah, I think think what Sony's trying to do is say, well, we need a system that's going to work for everybody and we don't want to lose out on in-game purchases. And probably uh, there are some partners who are not wanting to have easy cross-platform play because they can take advantage of that and sell people multiple items on multiple platforms. So they're trying to work out a deal with all their partners that'll work for everybody. And when you're the leading console maker, it becomes a bigger deal than if you're like, hey, you know what? We're, we'll gain users if we do it. And that's what we need. Whereas Sony's like, we, we don't need more users. We, we, we would love more users, but we're leading already. We need to protect that business model. Sure. The, par-
3: the the bigger problem here is they're pushing, I think, against a inevitable wave of change. In this one regard, we're getting away from platforms, and then what you can play within those walls. We're getting closer to a uh, an idea where games themselves and a, and an account that controls that game is what matters to players, and then you just play it wherever wherever you want to play it. Um, you can play it on your phone. This is, speaking of Fortnite, play it on the phone, play it on these consoles, play it on PC. And now on the Switch, pretty much every platform under the sun will have a copy of Fortnite on it. That's cool and exciting. And one of the reasons it's the biggest game ever, but this really makes this look like a big sore thumb. So Sony either has to do something about it from a sort of a PR problem uh, standpoint or they're gonna to have to buckle down and, and just say, well, this, you know, we're the we're the leader right now. But man, Tom, I told you this morning on TMS, I've seen this cycle so many times with different console manufacturers, Microsoft, Sony, Nintendo, Sega, all of them. They do this every time. The lead platform starts out hungry and humble, and when they get leadership position again, they turn cold and corporate. And yes, there's lots of arguments for why. But at the end of the day, gamers revolt, and they go with somebody else next time, and then they have to fight to be hungry and humble again. It's the same stupid circle, and it drives me slightly well, insane. And
2: how many people are not going to buy a PS4 because they can't play Fortnite on their phone and PS4 or their Switch and PS4 at the same time? Probably not right. that many. Probably people are still going to buy it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. The biggest
3: bummer is it's the biggest game in the world. <laughs> that's the biggest problem for them is they don't know quite how to handle this. Yeah. If this is small developer with a little excited group of players, fine. But Fortnite is the definition of a game. Yeah, they player. wouldn't
2: care at all if it wasn't Fortnite. And by the oh. way, PUBG dropped its oh. lawsuit against Fortnite. So no. Fortnite's free and clear now.
0: Exactly. Somebody on Twitter said yesterday, this is probably a joke that's been made. I finally figured out why they called it Fortnite because that's how often I see my son. hey get it microsoft says its facial recognition tools are better at identifying people who have darker skin than they used to be error rates have supposedly been reduced by as much as about 20x at the same time ibm announced two new public data sets for training facial recognition as well one of which has been curated specifically to remove bias by including a greater mix of face types
2: Yeah, this is something uh, this is a great way to wrap your head around how uh, databases and algorithms might not be fair uh, is to think about just the fact if you take a representative sample of the United States, about two thirds of the faces are going to be light skinned. They're going to be white. Uh, And if you train a database on that it's going to get way better at identifying those types of faces because it's got more data to work at. So you have to give a non-representative sample, which is what IBM's doing, to say like, hey, we want it to work every time. We don't want it to work better for the people we have more faces. So let's give it a variety of faces, not a representative sample of faces, and then it will actually work better for everybody.
3: Hi, this is Matt. And Sean. From Two Black Guys. Good credit.
0: If you own or operate a business
3: Bank of America, NA, copyright 2024.
1: The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price performance curve, you no longer have to make trade offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence, Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed, and Haiku is the fastest and lowest cost model on the market. Visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.
3: Right. I used to think that if me and Judge Reinhold ended up in the same video, that nobody would know the difference between us. And now I'm starting to think that the computers are going to best us. So I've given up.
2: <laughs> I used to never have facial recognition work for me. Like back at CES, whenever they do the demos, it would just, it just would not see a face. It yeah. was very disturbing. <laughs> I mean, it is
0: your eyes something's wrong with your eyes Tom. yeah yeah uh but
2: but the, the the microsoft surface was the first one or i'm like oh it actually works it it sees that i'm here and that's great so
0: yeah. well you know it's it's sort of like i don't know i mean this is a bad comparison but it's a, uh you know representative you know people in business or you know emojis and you know all of this stuff is like you know someone kind of goes like well wait a second i mean If it's only sort of trained to see a certain kind of face, that doesn't make sense. That's not actually the way that, you know, humans work. And we, you know, we have to expand on that.
2: Yeah. Hey, folks, if you want to get all the tech headlines each day in about five minutes, be sure to subscribe to Daily Tech Headlines, which you can find across many platforms as well as at DailyTechHeadlines.com. So Google is beginning public testing of Duplex. Remember Duplex at Google I.O.? Uh, It caused a little bit of a stir because it's a system that uses the Google Assistant with a much improved voice over what you get on your Google Home or Android to call businesses and talk to them in normal speech, even doing things like ums and ahs and mm mm-hmm and stuff like that. Well, they're taking it to the streets. Google says that they've improved it enough that it can complete four out of five automated tasks without anyone intervening. Uh, public testing is going to begin with a small group of trusted testers, so most of us won't get to do this, uh, and those testers will only be able to use it to call businesses who have agreed to take the calls. Uh, all, at first, it's just going to start with, I want to confirm the business hours, uh, Independence Day holiday coming up next Wednesday in the United States, Are you open July 4th will be the kind of thing it can do for now. Later this summer, they're going to let it start doing booking reservations at restaurants, and then after that they 'll want it to do hair appointments, but this is a key point here. Duplex is not aI can impersonate a human at anything it 's very trained for specific tasks, so doing out asking about hours it can do right now they 're pretty close to being comfortable letting the public test it with restaurants they 're not so sure about hair yet they 've got some more work to do, but they think they 'll have that that ready soon enough also. It will always open with some kind of variation on, I'm the Google Assistant, this call will be recorded, Uh, so that you know you're talking to an automated booking service. It'll even say, I'm Google's automated booking service in some cases. It varies it up, but it's always going to identify that it's not a person and say if it's recording it in states that need it. Uh, although in some states, you actually have a have to have a permit to do this sort of machine recording. So in Texas, they will not be operating this until they get the proper permitting there. Um, uses WaveNet. So it has multiple voices. It can even do lip smacks and breathing, although it's not doing that yet. But it does do that, mm-hmm, that hu- uh uh-huh thing that I was talking about. Those are called disfluencies. And they think it's important to do that. Because it lets folks know, oh, it's still on the line, right? Like, oh, can you hold while I I check that? And it goes, "Mm mm-hmm, you know it's still listening. Uh, Also, it's just kind of a polite way to ask for a correction. Like, oh, uh, could it be for five people? You know, that kind of thing. Uh, It just makes it seem... More natural. Anyway, uh, the reason this is in the news today is not only the announcement of the public test, but they did press events Monday at Teptai restaurant in New York City and Tuesday at Oren's Hummus shop in Mountain View, California, uh, and let the press play the receptionists and try to trip this thing up and put it through its paces. All the journalists I read were impressed by it and said, "Yeah, it's real." Almost all of them were able to trip it up and have it go to a human. And that's the other thing is in these tests, and probably for the foreseeable future, Google is going to have humans step in if it becomes clear that the Google Assistant is not able to handle the conversation. I
3: mean, it still feels a little like, to me, like a solution looking for a problem outside of, um, I know this has been talked about on the show before, so I don't want to pound it to death, but outside of things like people who are handicapped in some way and can't vocalize the way they need to on a phone call or something. I can see huge benefits there. It's amazing. But generally speaking, just call and make the reservation. I still, I'm, they haven't sold me yet. I'm excited about it from a technology standpoint. I think it's cool. And I like that they're going further and they're testing it. But I don't know if I'll ever use this. Well,
0: well, okay. So the I made a hair appointment for myself uh, this morning, and I know that we have a long way to go before it, you know it, it is able to 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 handle more complicated queries. But you know, my original request is is so and so available at this time on Saturday if not i could like maybe do you know we could like figure out some some sort of other time or you know do a little variation on what my service you know request was originally so i'm thinking okay well if this was if if this was google um calling you know and the receptionist is sort of trying to figure out what i actually want and i'm not on the line they would definitely go to the person at the call center and then that person's the one who ends up booking my appointment and do they really know all the details of all the stuff that I wanted to do like it seems like i'm 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 offloading complication unnecessarily like you said scott it's not hard for me to do it it'd be cool if 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 duplex could work this all out for me but i can't even imagine a world where the machine would know exactly what i was asking because there were lots of different levels to the conversation well
2: the way, gonna, the, way du- the way duplex works with the reservations for restaurants is you say make a reservation for seven and it'll say if i can't get seven will any time between six and eight work and you either say yes no or give it a new range i imagine it could be tied into your calendar and you say like yeah anytime i'm free on saturday before five and it could
0: do stuff like that yeah, yeah. that's true that's true the Are whole you, sort of like pauses and ums and human-like stuff, I get why it would, it's not because it's supposed to fool the person on the other line into thinking it's a human, but just make it kind of conversational. But if you say off the bat, for a client, I'm um, Google I'm looking for Duplex, on May I, I'm an assistant, Hi, by I'm, the way, this call is being recorded. It seems a little silly after the fact because you already know that it's not a person, so it's here, not going to act like
2: one. Listen to this.
0: calling like to book a woman's haircut for a client. Um, I'm looking for something on May 3rd.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, that's that's the, the, the assistant talking. I hate it. Why do we want that? That's awful. I hate it. Because Why do you hate it?
0: First well, of all, I'm, I'm it's not there. fooling you because you know. Because it As says person, I'm Google yeah. Assistant.
3: So it comes out and it says, all right, I'm recording this and I'm an assistant. Then it does this, um uh, hey, what what's the deal and starts talking like a real person, which I think is super creepy. I think it will be discordant for the person on the receiving end who isn't prepared for this. And I think when it does get all jacked up, it's going to make them feel weird and exposed. And I don't know why people can't just call
0: me. But the person know. on the receiving end would be part of a business that's already said, yeah, we'll do this. So they wouldn't so be totally blindsided, right?
2: Sherlin Lowe, Lowe from Engadget agrees with Scott. She's like, I don't want it to be ums and ahs. If I know it's a bot, that's weird. Like, you're not alone, Scott.
3: Yeah, I just find that really odd. But I mean, part of me is like, oh, that's so cool because she sounded really real. And part of me is like, I just I don't want to get bad I don't want human beings to get bad at this. We should still be good at calling a thing and doing a thing.
2: I don't know. <laughs> that sounds old man and I don't it I, is. <laughs> that's not where I'm trying to you go. You are literally <laughs> yelling at the cloud service that <laughs> we we're talking about.
0: Robots yeah. won't take our jobs. I'm <laughs> but, calling my own salon.
2: Okay.
3: That's so, something that's interesting that I hadn't considered the automated functions like your calendars are updated with this. I mean that is those are good arguments. I'll give you that. I just Maybe it's a thing where, like, I'm in a very business uh, busy business meeting. In the meantime, my assistant is off making eight calls. I can't make myself because I'm busy. Yeah, I mean, starting to talk about practical uses. Also.
2: Whether it's right or not, there's a lot of people who are like, if I have to pick up the phone, I don't have time for that. I'll use a different service that allows me to book online. This allows businesses to say, we don't want to set up an online booking system, but we can go into Google and say, yes, we'll accept these automated calls. And suddenly they have an online booking system. It's better for the business to be able to do this uh, in some cases. And it just takes advantage of the fact that for, for good or ill, Scott, whether they're disappointing you with their laziness, people just will more likely take advantage of this if they don't have to do the talking.
3: Yeah, I don't know why I don't. I, with the way I used to feel about voice recognition back in the 90s when it was terrible, and I was so excited for it. And I said, this is going to get better. I swear it's going to get better. And people were like, oh, whatever. It's not ready for prime time. VR is another good example in the 90s. which just wasn't ready. So they kept working on it. And we finally got Fidelity that works in both of those cases. And, and I was really jazzed about those. This is another case of one of those things. This is the start of what will eventually be a natural language thing that just happens. You don't think about it. I just feel like I'm not sure the, where the problem is. At least for most people, that they need this solution for. So uh, I will be happily turned, be turned, you know, uh, around on this. It just feels, it just feels a little. I don't know. It feels weird.
0: Well, thanks to everybody who participates in our subreddit. Sometimes there are weird stories in there. Sometimes they involve robots and AI. Sometimes they don't. You can submit stories, the ones that you care about the most, and also vote on others at dailytechnewsshow.reddit.com and also on Facebook, facebook.com groups dailytechnewsshow. But don't snooze us for 30 days. My goodness. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Hmm. We're, do- we're due. It's your prerogative. Eh. Mm. Let's check
2: the mailbag. Am I a bot? <laughs> yeah.
0: I don't know, Tom? you should disclose that huh. I could oh
2: hmm
0: are you a robot hmm <laughs> a robot. call call center call center
2: uh, i'll take over for google assistant now <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay, Robot, you're a little off the rails. Let's go to the mailbag. Rob wrote in in reference to our story the other day about tablet rating systems, sometimes hurting wait staff because of the rating systems that are programmed into the tablets themselves in restaurants. Rob says, just want to let you know, we work on Apple products. This is his company. Sometimes we have to work with the local authorized reseller though to get things fixed under warranty. We have a really good relationship with Audiotronics. They told us a similar thing about the rating system there. Anything less than five five stars, hurts their relationship with Apple. So now we have a problem with Apple's procedures, and we have to make sure that we or our clients, if they took their product there directly, only judge what Audiotronics did and not what Apple originally did, even if the problem originates with Apple. It's sad when we feel like we have to give Audiotronics five stars even if Apple screwed over our clients initially,
2: yeah, it's not a problem with Ziosk per se. It's a problem with rating systems, right? Like that's what needs to be fixed. And I, f- the more I think about it, the more I think these these companies shouldn't shouldn't promote that side of it. They shouldn't be encouraging restaurants to make use of a survey that that isn't going to give the results it needs to. It's not going to improve their system. It's, it might even make it worse.
0: Yeah. I mean, the systems basically are set up to be, if it's perfect, you're at the, you know, it's five stars. Anything less than that means that something was wrong. So, Is it maybe like thumbs up, thumbs down? Uh, That's true
2: on Uber and Lyft. I've heard drivers say the same thing. Like, eh, if you don't give me five stars, it's like you gave me none.
0: I mean, I don't have a five-star rating on Uber. I don't know why. I'm always really nice. But, (laughs) you know, somehow it's like docked, you know, and now I'm like, there's something wrong with me. Well, And
2: if you have like four and a half stars, you should feel good about it. But everybody goes, "Mm, hmm. Yeah, like, what did you do?
0: Yeah,
3: yeah, exactly. (laughs) There's that Black Mirror episode I always think of with Bryce Dallas Howard in it that reminds me of this, where everybody's doing nothing but trying to get five stars from everybody. they sure. meet. gaming business long suffered from this. Like uh, Steam's got a big issue with the way uh, ratings work and what those ratings mean. I, f- I feel like it's a, I don't know. Yelp is another good example. I feel like this is just a hard egg to crack and I don't know who's going to crack it
2: hey big thanks to Sean Khanna from the US of A who reviewed us on iTunes and said I'm picky with my podcasts and like to only listen to the best of them as long as I have DTNS I'm pretty good on the tech side that,
0: that is a five star review if I've ever heard it yeah
2: uh, leave us five star reviews on iTunes remember anything less is like giving us nothing
0: <laughs> well thanks to everybody who always gives us reviews um, and five stars always at emails and all the like and especially thanks to scott johnson for being with us this wednesday scott what has been happening
3: well lots of cool stuff going on over in my world uh, go to the five-star website known as frogpants.com and check it out there's all sorts of five-star content there including brand new comic put up today it deals with uh scams which i recently fell victim to and so i made a comic about it uh it's a really dumb comic and with a dad joke in it about fish tacos but you'll get it if you see it head on over there to frogpants.com and click on the comics link Or you can follow all my shows, all my other stuff there if you'd like. And you can follow me on Twitter at Scott Johnson.
2: Uh, Yesterday I said, stop what you're doing unless you're driving and uh, support us on Patreon. And several of you wrote in to say you did. Uh, so thank you for that uh, we are we're trying to get uh, for this month 10 more patrons than last month and we are extremely close so we just need a couple more of you to do that again if you're driving pull safely to the side of the road uh, but patreon.com slash DTNS you can see there's different perks at different levels if you support the show a little more uh, you might get a few more things but any amount of support is welcome and we thank you for it at patreon.com slash DTNS
0: If you have feedback, our email address is a great way to give us that. Feedback at DailyTechNewsShow.com. We're also live Monday through Friday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 2030 UTC. If you can join us live, great. It's a lot of fun. Find out more at DailyTechNewsShow.com slash live.
2: Back tomorrow with Justin Robert Young. Talk to you then.
3: This show is part of the Broad Pants Network. Get more at FrogPants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this
2: program.
3: <laughs> Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, And business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024.
1: This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it.